I've learned throughout this summer series that you guys actually need longer than 30 seconds to say hello to each other, so I'll have to make more time next time we do this. If you're uh, kind of confused at what's been going on the past several weeks, we're in a series called Summer at No Limits, where we actually have a different speaker every week. How many of you guys have enjoyed hearing from, a, from everybody? We have some amazing gifted people here that are called to preach and teach, Coonrod being one of those, or, or John. He does have a real name, it's called John. I was actually talking to, see, that's your brother-in-law and sister-in-law back there, right? So I was like, so you guys know Coonrod, and they're like, you must call him John, huh? And they're like, yeah, John. I was like, well, he introduced himself to our church as Coonrod, so we've been calling him Coonrod ever since. Yes, you did. You really didn't? Where did it come from then? I told you, I said, I said my name's John, but... Everybody at work calls me Coonrod, so you can call me either one. I didn't introduce initially as Coonrod. Okay, well, I guess Coonrod was just cooler, so that's what we decided to call him. Yeah, it is cooler. <laughs> but for those of you who don't know John Coonrod, he's uh, our Mexico missions leader. He led this last missions trip, and I'm sure... How many messages did you preach when you were there just a month ago? Did you even count them? 360... <laughs> Three. Well, he's one of our gifted teachers here. He feels called to teach, called to preach. And so we're really thankful when we get to have him up here and bring us the word. So I'm going to hand it over to Coonrod. He's got a good word for us. Thank you, Cade. Yeah, so I, I did. I put that in my foot up there, my real name and my alias. Because, um, you know, not everybody knows the story behind Coonrod. So I want to give a quick refresher on that. It is my middle name, and I was blessed with that by my father, who has a very sick sense of humor, um, but he also has that for his middle name because it was my grandmother's maiden name. So going doing some genealogy, it was my great-grandfather's last name and then just passed down through family tradition, and if you've met my son, he's been blessed with the same middle name because it is a tradition now, and I want him to learn the same struggles I had growing up that sometimes being a parent, you get to instill lessons into your children that they don't even know are coming, and it's beautiful because I get to watch him grow up, and he's going to come home one day and be like, Dad, these people are twisting my name. They're making fun of it, and I'll say, suck it up, buttercup. Been there, done that. Welcome to the family. You're now officially a coonrod once somebody makes fun of your name. Um, I just, it's, it's a joy being up here. I want to I wanna thank Cade for this uh, uh, summer fun. It's been a joy listening to everybody. I mean, I, I enjoy Cade's messages a lot. Don't get me wrong. But I, I enjoy the flavor that God sprinkles, you know, listening to Tim, listening to, to Carrie preach. Occasionally, I like to hear... Uh, Mark, the founding pastor. <laughs> but um, I've also enjoyed the summer small groups. Everybody, you know, that enjoying your, your summer small group so far? It's been a lot of fun. We met yesterday. Um, I'm doing the Saturday socials where we just kind of go hang out to different locations and experience different activities. And yesterday we went to Claremore. They've got a little ceramics painting uh, shop and boutique in there and um, almost everybody in my small group showed up yesterday, and we had a blast. Carrie and I got to fellowship quite a bit. Um, it was funny. Uh, 
he and I were talking. We were talking, what was it, last weekend? Yeah. Then you, you were telling me how uh, God gave you that message like three months prior. And so yesterday he goes, well, Coon, did he change on you? Said, no, he hasn't changed on me. <laughs> and I appreciate that because if you've ever had to preach and you have to change your message last minute, you're shooting from the hip and just hoping God gives you everything you need because... But it's, it's his message, and uh, like Carrie and I said, it's all, we're always nervous to deliver him because it's more for us, the ones giving the message, I believe, than it is more for you guys to receive it. But I, I, I hope that if you have uh, need of, of blessing from today's word, that, um, that you get something from this. So we're just going to move forward. Uh, show of hands today, who likes fishing? Amen. Should be, who has never fished before in their life? I'm just, just be real right now. It's okay. Get that hand way up there. I want to know if I'm speaking to anybody at all today. We're, yeah, we're going to talk about fishing for a little bit, and I promise it will tie into God's message, all right? <laughs> I promise. Um, when you... With fishing, of course, like any other thing in life, you have to be properly equipped, right? You can't just jump into God's Word without first getting a Bible. You can't just go to work and start a new job without being trained. Isn't that right, Brandon? Got to go get trained. Got to learn how to break glass and everything else that Brandon has done at his new job, but we love him for it. Fishing's no different. You've got to have equipment. You need rods and reels. You need some bait, whether it's artificial or live you got to have water with fish in it. You ain't going to catch something in a puddle out in the parking lot, and you need a fishing license. I'm not going to go into my feelings on that. <laughs> but basically, that's what we're talking about. And, and, and that I want to premise up front, we're really just going to talk about the basics. I promise you won't leave here today with the expert knowledge of how to catch fish, but you're going to have an idea behind it. But do you even know what you're fishing for? You have this bag full of equipment. It's like if you have a Bible in your hand, do you know what to do with it? Okay? We've got to have some training. You've got to know what you're going to go fishing for. How are you going to fish for something without first gaining knowledge about that fish? Right? So let's talk about some of the species of fish that are out there. um, I'm going to try. I'm not going to try. I am going to keep it pretty specific to a few of my favorite Oklahoma fish since we're in Oklahoma. Amen? All right, this one's, this one's the granddaddy of them all. It's the largemouth bass, also known as the black bass. They're found in warmer waters, lakes, streams. Uh, northern states have these, but they get really small. And you notice this a lot with things in the water. The further north you go, the, typically the smaller they get, but they do get bigger teeth. The further south you go, like these largemouth bass, they get much larger. I had the privilege of going to Mexico a long time ago, uh, before church, before missions. And my dad took me fishing down there for these. Um, And we're in this lodge, and I'm looking at this picture of Jimmy Houston. Everybody know who Jimmy Houston is? All right, if you're from Oklahoma, you should know who Jimmy Houston is. If you don't, you need to go home and pray for your salvation. (laughs) But he's a professional angler from way back in the day, and there was this photo of him holding this 22-and-a-half-pound largemouth bass. And I'm just scratching the surface of my knowledge of the Spanish language. And I look at my guide and I said, yo quiero, yo quiero este, aquí. And I'm just basically saying, I want that right here. I I was telling him, he said, mas tenero, amigo. He was telling me. So 
I learned then, if you didn't have thousands of dollars, you're going to go catch the eight pounders and up. <coughs> All right, so, oh, there's this, this kind of largemouth bass. <laughs> I love you. That's our founding pastor right there. Love it. I got this picture. I got I to gotta tell y'all. Carrie, Carrie texted me this picture uh, a week ago or so, and he says, Coon, we need to caption this. I had like four or five priceless captions on this thing, um, but the best one was the one that we posted on Facebook, and it just said, um, my love for you is like diarrhea, I just can't hold it in. And of course, we tagged him in it, and without even saying a word, he knew where it came from. Yeah, get your photos of this, because it, y'all need this, but he, I will kill you both, is what he said to me and Carrie. <laughs> All right, so here, with it, now Oklahoma has smallmouth. All right, so we have largemouth, we have smallmouth. I'm more of a smallmouth, Mark's more of a largemouth, but um, pretty easy to figure out how they get their names. I mean, the, loosely you know, speaking, the black bass has a really big mouth, and the smallmouth is about half that size. Not the guy in the photo, but the fish itself. Um, I don't know who this is. I just got this photo off the internet, but... They, these guys, the smallmouth, they prefer warmer waters, shallower areas. They like sandbars, creeks. So, you know, if you start to understand where these fish are located, you know where to go find them, what to use to catch them. Then we got the catfish. The catfish is really fun because it's lazy man fishing. You throw something in the water, you set your pole, and you drink some sun tea under a tree, take a nap. Doesn't matter. They set the hook for you, and you wake up from your nap and then reel it in. It's great if the pole's still there. But we, Oklahoma has blue cats, channel cats, and then, you know, what I call flathead. That's that big, ugly one on the right. It's because the heads are flatter than the other two. But blue, blue cats, they, they prefer live bait. You're not going to throw something that stinks out in the water. Everybody's like, well, you throw stink or dead in the water, you catch catfish. Not with the blue cats. They like live bait. That's why they're more popular, because they're cleaner tasting. Channel cats, they like something stinky. They like something dead, okay? That's like Mark. They, they just they want to go out and roll in it and get their backs on it. Um, but, you know, you've, everybody that's ever went catfishing has had a jar of stink bait, and they've flung it at each other when you get bored. Uh, flathead, they go either way. They're, they're not picky. They're like me. If there's a lunch buffet over there, we're going to go hit it, um, and there's not much on that buffet that I won't eat. <clears throat> that's how your flathead is. All right, and then the stupid perch. I hate these things. I mean, we've been fishing, right? Most of us in here, we've all gone. And how many of y'all know that if you're fishing for something else, you've got to get past these boogers first? They steal your bait. They're morons. But they've got a purpose, right? Or God wouldn't have put them in the water somewhere, but... They are the most annoying fish ever. Tiny little mouths. They eat anything that looks like anything. I have thrown just a bare hook in the water, and I've had perch hit it. Um, they do. They, and, and they're fun for the littles. The littles love it because you can just put a bobber and a hook or a piece of corn on it or something out there, and, man, they're just, what's a little? Some, oh, a little, little kids, little kids. Um, but they're really annoying for the biggles, okay? The, for guys that, yeah, not good, not fun. 
Okay, so let's talk about some of the equipment, the attracting portion of it. Uh, on the left-hand side up here, those are called crankbaits. And you notice that they're not all the same. Different shapes, different sizes, different patterns, different bills on the front of them. They go different depths. They're designed to look like different fish to attract different fish. But specifically for bass, uh, that's, that's their main purpose. I have caught catfish on them. I have caught perch on them. Some fish just get really aggressive and do, they go outside their lane and go where they don't belong, like those stupid perch. Um, but even with that exposed hook, you would think, oh, this fish would see that hook and it would, you know, not bite that. That's not the case. They, they instinctually see something that mimics what they eat and they're attracted to it and they'll hit it. Uh, the, the, the picture on the right, that's a plastic worm, and I, I, I grabbed this photo so you can see the hook and how it goes through, but if you, if you wiggle it through that plastic worm just right, you can hide the barb on that hook. It makes it a weedless lure. You can get into places where most of the lures on the left can't get to. Um, but think about that for a minute. That thing that's going to snag is hidden. You don't see that thing, and so it becomes more enticing now, and... These are also specific for bass, uh, but they have a particular time of day. So you see, every lure has a purpose. Everything has a time. It, it has its season. You're kind of probably starting to see where I'm going with this, right? So let's go fishing, right? I mean, you know some of the basics, and you're ready to go practice, 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 because nobody's a professional the first time you're doing anything. I got to remember back to a couple of times uh, when I was little, and then fishing was the first thing that was uh, sport-wise uh, for animals that was ever shared with me. And my grandfather, uh, my mother's side, just loved to fish. That was his favorite thing to do in the world. Uh, and the, we have property in Holbert that has ponds on it that my great-grandfather dug out, stocked. He used to run a catfish farm. Um, he would put stupid perch in it to feed them, but uh, his wife liked to eat them as well. She, I didn't say she was smart about it, but God bless her soul, she liked perch, so whatever. I took the catfish, and my grandpa would take me down here, and we'd go eat these catfish and catch them, and I had this little bitty, like a Snoopy rod, and if it ever, ever you know, it's a little foot and a half long. It's not designed for anything over a couple of pounds, but here I am down here with this thing, and I'm on the bank, and I've got, I've hooked a monster, okay, for a four or five-year-old little kid that has a five-pound catfish on a Snoopy rod, you think you've got, uh, you got a whale sitting out there on the hook. And my, my rod just got all tangled up, and I remember thinking, what do I do? What do I do? And my grandpa says, just back up, dummy. <laughs> and, and so that's what I did. I mean, there was no reeling it in any further, and so I just started backing up, and I had my, uh, and, I, and I drug that whale up on the beach or, that, or the shore of that pond, and there's this great photo somewhere in one of my sister's photo albums, and this fish is almost as long as I am. And I was so proud. I mean, that was like the first real fish that I ever caught. Um, but anyways, I don't want to go drag you guys down memory lane all day. Uh, but yeah, there's more. So how in the world am I going to tie everything that I just told you into a Bible sermon, right? I want to go back to this slide. They're individually duplicated for a reason on these slides, because these slides right here are going to play into more what I want to talk about. 
These artificial lures, they're made precisely to attract a particular species of fish. And at different times of day, they're useful. They're designed to trick a fish into thinking it's something it's not at that right time to catch that fish. So I want right now, if you've got a Bible or a Bible app, or if you have Matthew 4 memorized, you're a better person than me. But that's where we're headed right now. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 4. And I want to speak from there this morning because it, it, it's going to start laying the groundwork for what the purpose of these lures are. We've all, we've all read this story at least once or twice, uh, but it's, it's when Jesus was led up and tempted by Satan himself. And verse 1 just starts out, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And you go ahead and read the rest of this on your own time. But don't you think that Satan knew how to tempt Jesus? I mean, he had gone 40 days without food or water. And I can't go a couple of hours without food or water, right? And it's really tempting for if I'm on a specific diet. Every time I try a new diet, it, within about two hours, I get tempted by something. So I can totally relate with what Jesus went through right here. But the, Satan tried three different times to lure Jesus into a snare and to hook him, if you will, you know, catch him at a weak moment. I thank God that it didn't work because can you imagine, I mean, how things would have gone the other direction? But, you know, this is Jesus we're talking about. He saw this, the idiot coming, and uh, he had a plan in, in advance. But, it, I mean, let's be honest, Satan didn't even have a chance anyways. Amen? I mean, we're talking about Jesus here. So, But the devil, he has lures, y'all. He has a tackle box full of lures to attract you, to get you to bite, to drag you away from the things of God. And the best lure is a lie with an ounce of truth. I mean, for real. Now, Satan, he knows what you're attracted to, and he knows specifically what your weaknesses are. It worked for Adam and Eve. Satan told Eve she won't die from eating the fruit of knowledge, which he was correct. She did not immediately die, but he twisted it because she introduced death from sin that would later come in her life. I'm not sure. I I think maybe God had a plan that there was possible for even longer years on earth or even, even, um, dare I say, uh, I don't know, where you live forever, whatever that word is, and and that be in the garden. Yeah, eternal life on on earth at that moment. It could have happened. I mean, we're going to get plausible here. But, you know, it is what it is. We have what we have. So I want to ask, what lures you? Is it money, work, lust, drugs, alcohol, food, your phone? Hey, this list goes on forever, you guys, because what I say, everybody's different. Anything that can take you from God is a lure. More time spent focusing on lures, and you'll end up hooked and caught. Notice how there's so many different topics on the list. It's because we all struggle with different lures, and we're attracted differently. That's right, okay? Otherwise, God would have only mentioned one sin in the Bible. All right. I mean, this this is the thought process that I got here is uh, why do we have all of these different sins? Because each and every one of us, including myself, we all struggle differently. Is equally important, you guys, you can be lured away from your family. 
see, for years I went to a church, I don't want to say that they were wrapped up in legalism, but there was legalistic people in the church. And it was easy for me to get caught up in that because I'd never had a discipleship before that church. And I almost pushed my wife and kids so far away. Um, I was in danger of losing them, and I didn't even know it. It was old school stuff. It was stupid. Uh, Like, women can't wear pants for fear of tripping up another man. How moronic is that? Gentlemen, if you can't control your eyes, if you can't control your mind, you need to get with God. You need to talk about it with Him. You're not... I'm going to get on the soapbox real quick, but I got a phone call from a school one day about dress code because one of my daughters was wearing something that was provocative. I had, I had seen her clothes that she walked out of my house in. She was covered up, but her shoulders, had, they were see-through. This is stupid. I got called out of work to go to school because my daughter could affect another boy's learning process in school. Well, what about them boys that are out there shirtless running track? Are you going to put them? Anyways, I got really angry with them, and they looked at me, and they said, you need to leave. (laughs) So, but this is the same stuff that, you know, when I was at this other church, this is what we dealt with. And, I, hey, y'all, I wore shorts there, too, once. All right, that pastor there quickly reared me in the right direction. I wore them on a Wednesday night. I thought, Wednesdays are loose. That's when we go do Bible lessons, yada, yada, yada. And then he came up to me later and he said, hey, you're the children's church director. You play drums. You need to set a good example. Okay. But guys, legalism is just another lure of Satan. It takes us away from the focus of Jesus. Jesus' focus is love. Plain and simple, that's all it's about. I don't care what you wear. I don't care when you come through those doors. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what your future is. As long as you're going to heaven, come on in this door and let's love one another. I'm, I've never met a stranger. I will talk to anybody, anytime, anywhere. I don't care how many teeth you got in your mouth. I don't care uh, if you look like Mark. I'll still talk to you. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've been picking on Mark a lot today. I'm going to get it, yeah. But, you know, I, I want to get real with you guys. I, I have anger issues, and I'm kind of a hothead. Uh, this is one thing that Mark and I, I mean, I, I give him a hard time, but we have this in common. Um, he's getting past it. I'm still learning how. Um, Saturday morning, uh, mid-morning, I got a doorbell ring at my house, and it was the Owasso Police Department. And I thought, I'm too old for this. <laughs> and I, and I, I started doing this check in my head, like, where are my children at right now? Because I know I didn't do anything illegal. <laughs> and then I started briefly thinking, maybe my past is finally coming back to haunt me. <laughs> Anyways, that's another Sunday right there. Um, so I went outside and, you know, wanted to say, yeah, officer, what's up? And he says, well... I need, to, I need to talk to you about your truck. Now, I have a extended driveway in width. I have three cars parked up in there. I can squeeze four or five, um, but it's a pain, and so I utilize the curb, and I park my truck out in the street because if you've seen my truck, it's taken a few dings. It can afford a few more. <laughs> it's paid for. I've got almost 400,000 miles in this truck. No big deal. Um, but I, I'm very courteous about it. I try not to block another driveway. I park my truck all the way up against the curb. And then there's my neighbor across the street. And I don't like my neighbor across the street. 
because, well, he's a nice guy. He really is. He's a very nice guy. Don't let me, like, taint your image of him. If you ever have a chance to meet him, he just um, doesn't know how to park his cars. And he parks, he's got this Chevy Impala in his driveway that's broke down. It's on stands, and it's in the middle and cockeyed at the same time. So there's no parking another vehicle in his driveway. And he has his truck and his living girlfriend's car parked out in the street. And I'm like, this is completely backwards, you guys. I mean, take this broke-down hunk of junk and haul it off to the salvage so you can use your driveway. This is what's coming through my head. So what you have to imagine now is a skinny two-lane road with a full-size pickup parked on both sides with one lane right down the middle. That's just wide enough for a full-size pickup. I have to tuck my win- uh, my mirrors in and everything. And so this, the officer, he's, he's reminding me of Owasso's... Um, uh, ordinance that you can't have your vehicle parked across from a driveway so that they don't back into your car. And and I said, well, he said, Can, um, I need you to move your vehicle up so that you're not blocking your neighbor's driveway. And I'm like, well, the one he doesn't use? I felt myself like puffing up real quick. Like, once you go talk to that moron about not using his driveway, tell me how to park my truck later whenever I really have a something worth talking about. Because specifically Saturday, I was completely against the curb. I made sure I was out of his way. I might have had four inches to pull up. You see where my hot head comes from? So I just said, yes, sir. And I went out there and I got my keys. And he's talking to the neighbor across the street because his na- my neighbor was parked about two foot from the curb. So you couldn't drive a motorcycle between our vehicles at the time. And I pulled forward a little bit and went back in the house and Cameron... She said, Dad, why are the cops outside? I thought, I would never thought I'd ever hear her say that. But I got welled up really bad about that. I mean, that really chapped my hide. I even was, you know, I went back there and woke Shalina up, and I said, listen to this. And I started telling her this story, and she's back there just looking at me like, I mean, she's half asleep, and I'm just giving it to her. And, and, and I said, I'm going to put a sign in my yard. They can't stop me from putting a sign in my yard. And I'm going to let whoever it was that called the cops know that if they have a problem, they need me to move my truck. They can come knock on my door. Don't call the dadgum cops on me. I mean, what kind of world are we? And so I really went off, you guys. Like I'm, And I'm still like considering putting a sign up. I'm not over this. I'm, I'm needing a lot of prayer, bro. I mean... I never reacted, okay? Like, I'm calm on the outside. It's a duck on the water kind of situation. But underneath, I'm sitting here thinking, what can I do to let my neighbors know that they're all stupid? Um, <laughs> I mean, anyways, so I, I just, I just want to, uh, it's not that neighbor. He didn't call the cops on me. Carrie would have texted me, move your crap. Um, but, you know, that's, that's it. I mean, I... I feel like these things are more effective if I expose myself a little bit and let you guys know that I'm just as human as the next person because how am I going to get onto you if I'm not getting onto myself, right? All right, so back to, back to the Word of God. Matthew 4, 18 and 19, Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And then he said to them, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus had no choice. I mean, he, he was building his discipleship, but he had to beat the devil at his own game. The devil's already luring people, and Jesus is like, hey, look what I can do. And now he's getting, he's getting the ball rolling. He's making his disciples. 
But Jesus himself, he's the ultimate lure. He can catch any species. He doesn't care about your past. He doesn't care about nothing. He has that right lure to attract you, to put you in the right spot where you can get you in the right net. See, right here, we're seeing Satan get a little taste of his own medicine, except this is the righteous lure, you guys. He's building his kingdom, all right? He's turning disciples into soul-saving machines. Um, now, we learned a few weeks ago when Mark preached that the disciples, they weren't all roses and sunshine. Y'all remember his message? He talked about them. They griped. They were kind of built up on themselves and uh, not the best examples, but that's kind of what we're, we're here learning about, right? I mean, they had issues, amen? So, but did Jesus love them any less? No, he didn't, all right? So, all right, last time, let's go with me to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, I'm sorry, that's not the last time. I've got one more verse. But we've got to get better at this, guys. Everybody's read Matthew chapter 7. That's that don't you judge me verse, all right? That's, the, that's the, what the Christians like to call the get-out-of-jail-free card, and the non-Christians as well. Um, because we want to misconstrue what this verse is actually putting out there. It's not a free ticket for you to act however you want to and then not have anybody talk to you about it. But we have to get better at this, and we have to quit letting the world paint Christianity as hate. I mean, don't get lured into arguments or anything that is less than Christian. Okay? The verses here are not... They get taken out of context. I don't know how many times. Basically, they're telling you, get your life straight before you start judging others, okay? I preached on this a little bit in Mexico. I really had a good uh, thought behind it on your attitude and how you view other people. Uh, you, need to, you need to clean your own house first, right here. God's relationship is one-on-one. It's not me and my wife and God. It is me and God. It's not me and Chris Wills and God. It is me and God. I'm going to grow different. Chris is going to grow different. Brian Dover is going to grow different. Every one of us in this room, we're all growing different. So what? If somebody else is still struggling with something, don't get haughty about it. Don't get this uppity attitude that just because you might have overcome it doesn't make you a better person than they are. They're still learning. Or maybe Jesus isn't dealing with them specifically just yet. He might have something else he's working on because that's what Jesus does. It's one thing at a time, you guys, because honestly, that's all we can handle. We freak out when Jesus hits us a to-do list and he says, I want these four or five things taken care of by close of business today. We turn into crybabies. And then more importantly, go with me to 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 13. I didn't type this in because it was about midnight when God gave me this. Well, I guess he did change it a little bit. But this is a, this one's kind of a, a sore subject because it really, it really is a good discussion topic. Uh, I think at lunchtime this, is, this would be a fun one to hit on. But you have to be sensitive to your conscience, and your conscience is going to tell you where you need to be, what you need to be doing. But I'm going to, flow, I'm going to fly through these verses real quick, but there's a few high points I want to touch on. It says, now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. Think about that. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. 
Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in this world, and that there is no other uh, God but one. For even there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, uh, as there are many gods and many lords. Yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom all things and we for him. One Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we are all things and through whom we live." However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about is Jesus one, is God one, or what, you know, these things offered to idols. We're going to, you know, this knowledge of this, this, this freedom you have as a Christian is not known to everybody. Uh, but the consciousness of the idol, that's known to all. Until now, you eat this food, this thing offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. He's talking about the, the Christian that's still learning Concepts, the the your newer Christian. I don't I don't like the word weaker Christian so much um, as the way we can immediately put it in like I'm something better because I've gotten past this thought process. But the food does not commend us to God. For neither if we eat or are neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. But beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in the idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? So if what you're doing could possibly be tripping up somebody else that is not really... We'll, 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 just, we'll, we'll keep it simple. Here's an example. Uh, the kosher laws. I mean, there's, there's dietary uh, benefits to them. But is there anything wrong with you eating bacon? No. Because you've prayed about it, you've blessed it beforehand, we're under the new covenant. Amen? All right, so am I condemning myself when I eat bacon? No. But if I have somebody new to Christianity sitting next to me, if I have maybe a Jewish friend sitting next to me who does practice the kosher law, do I risk offending them by eating the bacon? If they don't know any better, absolutely. Is that fair to them? No. Does it make me any different? Not really. So you see what I'm saying? Like right now, we need to really just, we need to kind of, as Mark says, build a bridge and get over ourselves. It's not about where another person is with their Christian walk. It's not about uh, how much better we are or how much better somebody else is or what I can and can't do. Christianity, let's just get back to the basics. What, what's luring you away from your foundational truths, your first loves? What have, what, what have you gotten so caught up in that you forgot what Jesus had to do to first love you, that you recognize that? So let's summarize. Satan wants to lure you. Jesus has the better lure. Be called to be fishers of men. Go catch them. Don't clean them. That's God's job. You will find nothing in the Bible that says you have permission to clean somebody else. All right? I had to work on that for a long time, you guys. That was a really struggle for me because uh, I was talking about some of those legalistic ideas that I had in that other church, and that legalistic uh, thought process forced me to look upon my family and my friends in a way that turned them off to me. And I had zero witness. Uh, I've been praying a lot lately for God to make me a better witness, to, to make my witness better. 
And uh, it's, it's not about the legalism. Thank God I've gotten past that stuff. But, um, and it's thanks to this church, you guys. But there's a lot of things else, you know, that, that, like I said, God's dealing with one thing at a time. And he's getting these things in me. And so keep praying for me on those because I really want to have a better witness, uh, especially if I'm going to be sitting up here throwing the word at somebody else. Um, don't judge uh, unless you first cleaned up your own act, and God will let you know if you have. All right. Make sure your heart is right. If you don't approach with love, it's it's over before it starts. There, back there, Matthew seven, those verses talk about this, guys. You know, you can judge somebody, but judge in love. Go up to them. You know, you um, you you know. Okay, so here. What am I trying to say here? Instead of condemning somebody or hatefully casting judgment, just be an encouragement. Okay? Say, hey, man, I may not know what you're going through, but I'm here for you. Or you can get through this. Or Jesus still loves you. I mean, find something. Be a friend. Be be family. But don't sit there and say, well, I can't believe you tripped up on that again. This is like the fourth time this year, bro. What's wrong with you? Shut up with that talk, all right? And don't trip up a newer learning Christian, okay? God and the world is watching. If you want to know how good of a Christian you are, go talk to one of your neighbors that don't go to church. See if they, see if they know if you go. See if they know where your heart's at. I guarantee you um, my neighbors know I get up and go somewhere every morning on Sunday. They can probably guess I'm going to church, but I don't go talk to them about it. So I'd be curious myself to know. What their, what their views on that are. But you see the difference there. The difference is, is really just kind of how you are perceived. You know, um, I'm not saying that Christians have to walk on eggshells. I'm not saying that uh, we have to be so careful um, because we can't do things that we have liberty to be doing. That's, that's not the case, you guys. Uh, the case is we want to make sure that um, we just don't embarrass Jesus, okay? We want that whole Jesus' love thing. And I know everybody in this room has struggled or is still struggling with a lure, something that is probably taking their attention right now, um, God knows I am, and mine is my anger right now. I've had some real struggles lately where the smallest things just set me off. And I thought I had this under control. And that's and when you think you and when you think you've got it, it's like it's like Satan goes, Look what I can do. <laughs> uh, but I I wanna I wanna be an encouragement this morning. I, I want to uh I want to be able to pray over anybody, you know, that might be struggling with something. You know, you're, you have this lure in front of you. You have something that's taking your, your, your thought process off. You know, you're, you have a distractant, whatever the case is. You know, like last week, I mean, Carrie invited you guys up here and got a chance to pray with you. I want to do the same. I want to, I want to help share my burdens. I want to help pray over yours. You know, um, and as these guys start playing and stuff, and uh, I just really want to uh, open the doors up for that. You know, let's not be shy about it. I mean, this is a no judge, no judgment church. Amen. Thank you, Coonrod.
I think I know a little bit about fishing. When you were asking if, if there's people in the room who haven't been fishing, I guess I kind of qualify for that. I've like thrown a line into the pond in our neighborhood, but that's as far as it's went. So <laughs> y'all go ahead and take a seat. We just have a few more things to take care of before we get out of here today. Uh, if you need an offering envelope, go ahead and raise your hand. Uh, it's giving time. And I actually want to tell you guys a really quick story. Uh, Dylan and I were at the Pregnancy Resource Center this last week shooting some stories of the women who have been impacted by that ministry there. Um, and there was this girl that came in, and her name was Nikki. And she began to tell us her story. And at age one, her mother passed away. And she went through her whole childhood being raised by her dad. Um, and he was caught up in, in drug addiction and all kinds of illegal activity all throughout her childhood. So she kind of just raised herself. Um, and as you can imagine, when she became a teenager, she found herself in the same predicament. She got caught up in and all the nonsense, because that's kind of all she knew, and so that's what she went to, and then ended up going to prison because of it. While she was in prison, she uh, found Jesus. <laughs> Such an awesome story. And then she came out, and her life looked completely different. She got married, and then she had a baby. And um, she got so nervous when she got pregnant, because she didn't have a mom. Her, her whole, she had no idea what to expect, no idea what to do, no idea what was coming. So that's what led her to the Pregnancy Resource Center. And she went there, and they, they walked her through all that stuff. This is what delivery is like. This is what it's like to have a baby. Here's the resources you're going to need. Give her diapers. And, and she's just thrilled. And what's, what the coolest thing about that story was she is also connected with Don't Look Back Ministry because she lives in Claremore, and she goes to Destiny Life Church. So I just wanted to tell you guys that story because we partner with Don't Look Back Prison Ministry, and we also partner with the Pregnancy Resource Center, and that's the kind of impact that's being made, and sometimes those two ministries even are working together out there, and it's just, it was a really cool story. I was touched by that, yeah. So as you guys give today, I want you to just thank him that he's using it in a mighty way, like it's kind of blowing my mind how he's using our giving here at church. So let's go ahead and pray over that. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing through our giving, and we thank you that we haven't even seen what's going to come. It's, you're going to continue to show up. You're going to continue to multiply it in our lives. You're going to multiply it in this church. You're going to multiply it in Don't Look Back prison ministry and the Pregnancy Resource Center and in Mexico and the Philippines. Lord, you're just taking it and you're doing mighty things with it. And gosh, we're so thankful in Jesus' name. Amen.